welcome back to another heart-wrenching recap of The Last of Us. I'm Sonia. And I'm Shannon. And this week we're diving back into pain and misery with episode 8, When We Are in Need. We open on a new character, David, who is giving a sermon to a very somber-looking crowd. Instead of finding comfort in the Book of Revelations, his audience seems to be distraught over the recent death of one of their group. I'm not sure if this is like a funeral or just a regular Sunday. I think it, yeah, I think it's a regular Sunday service. But you know what? I, you know when we're looking into the the crowd or whatever. What I thought these are all characters that could be in Red Dead Redemption. Oh, I could. They all have that like that. haggard, stringy haired look. The like hanging faces and like huge beards. I was like, oh, this is Red Dead. These are if they make a Red Dead show, hire these folk. You've already have the crowd. Yeah, they've given up, or at least they look like they're having a pretty hard time. And you can also tell that this is probably something they do all the time, which is just awful. <laughs> yeah. As David is preaching, a young girl asks, "When can they bury him?" We'll later learn that this young girl is Hannah, the daughter of the man Joel killed when they were in the University of Eastern Colorado. So this is the fallout of that encounter. It's probably safe to say that we all hate the guy who stabbed Joel with the broken end of a baseball bat, but his family and community are mourning his death. David tells Hannah they can't bury her father until spring because the ground is frozen over, but on the positive side, they're having warm stew tonight. And he, he glances over to none other than Troy Baker. Troy Baker. Joel in the game. Oh, don't worry about where we got the fresh meat. It's it's no, it's, it's just a coincidence. It's, we don't know. We don't know nothing. So after the sermon, David meets with Jason, his James, his secondhand man who is played by Troy Baker, the voice. What is Troy Baker's real voice? I think he has a podcast. Right, I know, but I don't know. It's kind of hard to trust because I've seen him do the interview with the Critical Role crew for Vox Machina, or he did like a sit-down couch talky thing yeah. with them, like a episode watch, and it's very different than this voice. I'm like, are you voice acting, acting this guy? Well, I don't think he's voice acting. I think he's like acting, right? Like yeah, is Ellie's, is, it, Ellie's. This doesn't sound like him when he was talking on the couch. And I was like, is that your voice or is this your voice? But this is this isn't Troy Baker's voice. This is James's voice, right? But Joel's voice is Pager's voice. Ellie's voice, other than accent wise, is Bella's. That's voice. true. Well, you know what? He was giving us a little something, so <laughs> we can appreciate what he gave us. I'm just curious because he's he's he is, I think, so very talented, and I don't think I realized how talented he was as a voice actor until I did hear him do like a sit down actual talking i'm like i don't recognize you at all and i've probably played a lot of your games yeah he's like he's as a person it's like sometimes you can bit. go like oh that's nolan north or whatever right and i guess out of all of the characters that they the voice actors that they brought back into the show he's the one you don't recognize because he put in the no. work for joel that's right. and he's also girl. other than marlene the biggest character it was also perry so far perry wasn't perry his role yeah, wasn't as important. Part. You're right. But. Right. Yeah. After the sermon, we learn that David is the leader of this community and they are struggling. It's the middle of winter. They haven't stocked up enough supplies, which you always do if you ever watch alone. There is nothing to forage and game is scarce. Even if they do ration what they have, they'll only last another one or two weeks. He tells but mm -hmm. when he asked him how what how much do we have left? Jason? James? James. 
James looked over at him and he had to like clarify, oh, the rabbit venison. The, right. The whatever that it is. Meat. The meat. The animal meat. The white meat. The four-legged animal meat. But he does seem a little bit more concerned with the doubt that he sensed in the room. James tries to tell him, don't worry, nobody has lost faith in you. And he singles James out saying, no, I felt it from you. But we all know that the town has become disillusioned with David's leadership, or so it seems. And honestly, I can't really blame them. I like, I literally rather die than spend my apocalypse with a religious cannibalistic cult that writes scripture sermons on the walls in the cold trenches of Bumblefuck, Utah. I will throw right. I don't myself off a cliff. Why, I don't think that's why they're losing confidence in David. He's also an awful person, which will... I didn't really get the sense that they were, though. I get the sense that James was. But he was doing that, like, pastor double handshake things as when they're leaving the lodge church thing. I think... I do think that they... That the entire community was... Is losing faith in David and we'll skip ahead a little bit but the scene where he slaps Hannah and then the crew he picks to hunt Ellie nobody seems in line with what he's saying I don't think that they're at a spot where they would outright call him out or rebel like he does have some power over them because I think he knows how to control people but I don't think that they are purely on team David I think if they can see something better coming along, they totally jump because they're at that point. I'm shocked that, I mean, not everybody wants to lead, obviously, and maybe they're not at that stage. But if I were James, I would usurp. The f <laughs> the first time he brought up the other white meat? Yeah. I, I would rather die than resort to that level. I don't know. I, I guess my survival instinct might not have been that much. I would have let those, uh, the real life thing, the people in the plane that crashed in like yeah. the 70s. I'd have been like, all right, you guys can have me. I don't want to. I don't want to take this step. But you are. You, I will give you permission for my body. You don't want a <laughs> Donner <I> party. <laughs> yeah, I don't want a Donner party. But I also will give my consent for when I go. Yeah, you can eat me. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care what happens after I do. You can eat me. Take a little nibble. We jump back to Ellie and Joel, who are also struggling. Je jelly. What is, what is with me and calling them jelly? Okay. <laughs> That needs to stop right now. Otherwise, I'm going to use that. <laughs> We're not gonna because this is not their relationship. But that would be their like portmanteau uh, right. shipper, shipper name. Joel's barely hanging on. His wound is turning green with infection, probably because he needed a hospital. And Ellie was like, the best I can do is this dirty bandana and a really old piece of thread I found in a closet. And I'm also gonna... um Put your dirty shirt back over it. Right. I don't know why it's getting infected, though. <laughs> what I'm could, what could go wrong in this situation? <laughs> They're also running out of food. And instead of feeding Joel more squirrel leather or whatever they still have, <laughs> she decides to gear up and go on a hunting trip. I was thinking that we were going to cold open on the white rabbit. But instead, Ellie sneaks up on it while she's hunting. And the rabbit's just doing cute little rabbit things. Thankfully, it gets a kinder fate than its video game counterpart, and it gets to scurry away. Like but... a rifle would have decimated the the rabbit. Oh, that's actually very true. She had a bow in the game. But she also, it seems like she was aiming for it. I, do, I wouldn't even think of that. 
Oh no, I think she was going after rabbit. I think realistically, you would have, whatever little meat is on rabbit that's left would have been like decimated. You're on my survival team. <laughs> she doesn't manage to shoot the rabbit, but she does manage to shoot a deer. And I'm not gonna lie, the noises that we heard before the deer came onto onto the screen reminded me of that possessed deer in The Evil Dead, the one that's like hung up in that in the cabin. I don't know if you've watched uh, the movie or remember it. And for a second, I did think that the deer was infected. Obviously, it's not. <laughs> Why can't animals get infected? Did we go over that? I don't think Are we too did hot? go over. I think they're I too do, hot. I think they're Animals too hot. do run hot. Aaron is a furnace, though. In the summer, it's terrible, but in the winter, it's nice. <laughs> um, so Ellie does shoot the deer, but just because she shoots it doesn't mean it's going to go down easy. The little dude, the big dude, takes off further into the woods. She runs after it. By the, by the time she finds the body, two men have already gotten to it. Those two men are David and James, who happen to be on their own deer hunts or hunts. For the same deer, probably. And here's why there's no chance of peace in the apocalypse. People are going to fight for themselves and their loved ones. And it doesn't matter if you have an entire community to feed and I have one old grumpy dying guy, get away from my deer. And I loved how deep she made her voice yes, for this. I was, yeah, I was hoping you'd mention it. And it's, it's kind of like sad because she's trying so hard to be intimidating because like here are these two grown ass men. They both have rifles and she's a 14 year old girl, but she's just like failing to be threatening, even though she has a gun. I thought I was going crazy. I was like, is she is she lowering her voice and then when she gets excited it becomes normal again right? I was like, no and then she goes right back down and i was like oh shit <laughs> i was like i love that I, that was such a smart addition it just speaks to her character and i know we talk a lot about how you know she she is 14 and she's trying to be like this hardened survivor like joel but here she is unable to like fluctuate her voice correctly and she forgets herself put the gun down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David takes the opportunity to elevator pitch his community to her instead of outwardly fighting for the deer. And in that moment, we can see how manipulative he can be and how cunning he is. Like, we know his community is not doing well. We know that they're starving. He does tell Ellie that they're hungry. But the reality is he's he's trying to sell her this idea of a community where she'll be safe and taken care of. And that's not at all what he can give her. But he does offer to trade medicine for half the deer. And Ellie wants medicine that can cure an infection. It is, it is nice that um, they managed to get food. They managed to get penicillin. Like a stash of a bunch yeah, of penicillin that's not easy to, to give away. Come across them. But no food. Well, now they're going to have half a deer. Because Ellie does accept the two vials of penicillin. And David sends a very unimpressed James to go retrieve it from, from the settlement. Ellie, being the resourceful young woman she is growing into, checks the gun and the guns and empties their chambers. And then David asks her if she wants to move to a cabin where he can start a fire for them. He does try to empathize with her in this scene, both scenes. He asks her about his father's, her father's gun, which, like, screw you. Like, this could be her gun. Her father's right. probably dead. I'm a woman in the post-apocalypse. You don't think I have a gun? Right. Like, why would I, why would this be my father's gun? Like, I, I know people like you exist in this world, and I'm going to take each one of you out. Who shot that deer? With whose gun? This gun? Who has the gun? I do. 
and your gun's on the ground. Exactly. David keeps up his act around the fire, and for a brief second, it does appear, at least I can see why it appears to Ellie, that he might be a decent person. He says he used to be part of the Pittsburgh QZ before it fell. Then he became a Moses reborn and led people into the promised land of frozen Utah. He used to be Which, a... How's that okay. going for you, David? Yeah. I mean, it did work out for what? Joseph Smith or whatever. He used to be Was a that teacher. that Mormon guy name? Yes. The, the Mormon guy? Yeah. The prophet Joseph Smith. So I was kind of waiting for something to happen during this scene because there was no walls in this cabin. It was all windows. I think it just didn't even have walls. It was just all, like, it was all it was windows. But then I was like, actually, that should have been a clue. Nothing was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it'd be too easy. Yeah. They would have just crashed through instead of, like, having those little spots. Because in the game, you get uh, raided, I guess, by a bunch of infected. Yeah, like, the, the way that they use infected in the game is so different, which makes sense. Realism, all of that stuff. But you get swarmed by countless infected and clickers and bloaters it's a very chaotic portion of the game yeah i never have enough ammo i die oh i died in this part so many times to the point where i had to pause and walk away for a second because i got angry (laughs) (laughs) david used to be a teacher then he became a preacher after the world went to shit and i don't know there's something so sketchy about finding god in a big way after a cataclysmic event like there's no way there's no way to find god in a way that's not completely bonkers creepy but maybe that's like my religious trauma speaking Mm -hmm. i don't know i think i think it's normal for people to find religion whether or not it's true faith is up for debate after some big trauma in their life something to explain why this We'll all be okay in the end. That makes sense. I think that's the ma- most of the reason people are into religion. Just to feel like there is a point. I can, I can understand like becoming friendly with the notion of a god because whatever you need comfort, do it. But to completely throw yourself into it like that, I don't know. That just seems... That just seems like... Even born-agains are... That's true, though. The yeah, worst, you're right, though. You're right. They're the worst about it. Ellie keeps her distance from David at first, and she kind of reverts back to episode six and who who she is as a person uh, when she's acting like an overly gruff version of Joel. Not to say that Ellie hasn't always been a little bit standoffish and ready to stab somebody with her knife, but it's very clear Joel inadvert- inadvertently encouraged her to potentially not be the best version of herself because she's emulating all of his bad qualities. Although I guess... You could argue that having manners during the apocalypse is not the best mode of survival. But then we have Jackson. People in Jackson have manners. Right, but these people were willing to steal her deer. They knew they didn't kill this deer. Either way, you you do see her starting to cave. And I couldn't gauge whether I thought David had an undercurrent of being creepy from the beginning of the episode or if I was projecting onto him because of the game. I kind of fluctuated on that. Him in this scene made me think that, all right, like I can see why people think he's a decent guy, but he was also putting on a show for Ellie. So this could have just been like a little farce for for her sake right now. I think David's whole being is a show. He just adjusts it to the audience. But I didn't, I didn't, I was looking out for some extra creepiness because I was curious as to how they would take him for the show. And I didn't really... I didn't catch anything on on that end from this scene. 
I didn't either. I think I think this scene, he was actually pretty personable. He was being yeah. upfront with her up until he was, he was pulling out his his kind of teacherness of trying to get along with the kids. And oh, stuff. that's true. He could pull from that. Ew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Gross. Yeah. When he said he was a teacher, I that wasn't in the game. No, that wasn't in the game. Red flags. That was me. Was like, ew, oh my god, just because of what we know from the game. But they had mm. to. They they had to pick that to be extra creepy. And Ellie kind of falls for the act up until he tells her that everything happens for a reason. And to prove it, he tells her a story about a scouting party he sent out a few days ago. Four men went out, but only three men came back. One of the men was murdered by a crazy man. And oddly enough, the crazy man was traveling with a little girl. Obviously, the mood changes. It becomes very tense. And that's when David tells James to put down his gun. James snuck up on them as they were talking. But instead of letting him kill Ellie, he tells her, he tells James to give her the medication and he lets her go. Part of me liked that there wasn't a rush on Ellie's part to explain away Joel's actions because it brings the sense of like it is what it is to the reality of being murdered in the apocalypse because it would be so easy for her to be like to fall into a spiral of well Joel killed Alec I think his name was Alec because Alec attacked him right but Alec attacked him because his community is slowly beginning to starve to death and he has a family to provide for right but and we, we saw that spiral with Kathleen. Yeah, that's the apocalypse. That's like everybody now, right? That's right. Everything's, yeah, but. Right. Yeah, but. It's like the standard routine. It's pretty routine for, yeah. for the world that they live in. So but I, I also don't know if it was just shock. That's also very true. She just got called out in a major way in a time where right. she did not want to be called out. And James was already there. So it was like there wasn't a lot of time for a discussion of what, well, what had happened was. Right. That's very true. And like, yeah, if there's two men now with one having a rifle on me, I am packing up and I'm getting out of there. And being team Joel and Ellie, the why of like why the man attacked them doesn't make up for the fact that he did what he did without hesitation. But this for times does make devils out of all of us. So I'm willing to let that that slide a little bit. It also makes David stand out more as a villain a little bit later on because his motives aren't painted in any type of grayscale. I don't know if they added the bit about giving that raider a family to make David stand out more in this episode. And I was a little bit worried, and we can get into this later, but I was a little bit worried that they might try to redeem David in the show a little bit, and I... I'm so happy they didn't. Can we start a podcast? This is, we can get into this later. We can get into this later. That's our <laughs> new title. <laughs> and then we just don't talk about it. She Ellie returns back to Joel and stabs him with the penicillin. I have no idea how that works. Yo, that was the biggest syringe I've ever seen anybody inject anybody. Like she, she filled it all the way up. She didn't use all of it, but it was like a 60s cc or whatever 100 cc like it was just huge i was like i've never seen that in all my times of being in the hospital it's like ellie you need 20 reasons. cc's i, I don't know right. but <laughs> it's like where did they get this big ass needle that's like a cortisol needle i have to get one of those in my yeah. knee and again i'd rather go to utah and die than get a <laughs> shot in my knee again i can't fault her for not knowing exactly what to do it's not like on the bottle they have Oh, for sure. Injections or something. Yeah, she doesn't have the benefit of watching Alone or whatever. When naked and afraid. The people in Alone wouldn't know what to do. They'd be like, oh, put a fish on it. (laughs) 
put a fish in. Yeah. I've discovered this moss on this tree bark, and little did people know. <laughs> I feel really sick because I ate a bunch of bark. <laughs> <laughs> or so, there's always that one guy who's, who's so gung-ho. He's like, I'm... You know, yeah, I've, I'm leaving my family behind, but I don't care because this is my dream. And I'm just, I'm going to show everybody. And, and like, he's the first one out going, I just miss my family. Or like, oh, I heard a bear and I'm really scared right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Ellie because Ellie's resourceful. No, no, no. Exactly. No, Ellie's the op. Ellie's Callie. I don't know if you remember her from alone, but she got. Oh, I love got- Callie, actually. She didn't quit. She got knocked out medically. That's, the, that's, oh, that's always so sad when that happens. Because she started out skinny. Yeah, you have to plump up before you go. Yeah. If, you, if you're interested in ever being on a lung, plump up. <laughs> and then Ellie pushes next to him because she's probably, she probably feels so lost and afraid and uncertain. And she takes the little bit of comfort from him that she can't. Also body heat. No, no cuddle bugs. <laughs> cuddle, <laughs> cuddle bugs in a mattress and a rug. We return to David's settlement and we get another glimpse of how dire things are. A man and a woman are talking about the last of their supplies. Looks like some tins of tomatoes. When someone drops off a tub of meat on the counter, they ask what it is and he responds, venison. Apparently everything here is venison. He pauses and he goes, venison. It's like, okay. Right. And so I... I don't think the community knows what's going on. Uh, well, David admits no, da- later that yeah, they David don't. says only a handful of people. But there is hesitation on their end. So I don't necessarily think they know what's going on. But I do think they know things aren't adding up and something shady might be happening. They just don't want to look too far into it because they want to eat. And eating right. takes priority over potentially going into moral dilemmas about eating your neighbor. Yeah, like these are cooks. So they know what their food supply looks like. And then somebody somehow always managed to come up with meat. And it's probably always venison. You can't say rabbit with that amount of meat. Yeah, that is a good point. The meat probably always looks the same. How is it rabbit this week and whatever next week? If we keep getting so much venison, even though we're running low all the time, but we keep finding venison. Yeah, we keep keep complaining. We're not hunting anything. We're not Right, why are we on rations? Don't worry about uh, Hannah's dead dad just kind of hanging out. No big deal. Also, hold on. Let me, this might be jumping ahead. How who, how are they going to bury him then? Right. Like, you're not going to keep a disgusting corpse right. around. Like, that's like so unhygienic. That's how you're going to kill your community. No, they're eating him. No, of course they're eating him. But that's what I'm saying. Like, how are you going to, no, I think, I think waiting to the spring is a common, like, 1800s type of burying in the winter like you can't bury them in the winter kind of thing or it is from all the hallmark movies i've made but um are they just gonna be like oh no don't look in the box well they do have that storage room that joel walks through that has bodies strung up multiple bodies strung up but you're i'm assuming these bodies would be frozen so they wouldn't decay right like that's why they can't bury him because it's so everything's so frozen so that's true i guess they could keep him frozen so it's like they're gonna like pretend an empty box is him like why is it so light don't worry about it they'll put rocks in it how much did he weigh but with all those dead bodies hung up it also does look like they're hunting more than they are absolutely which after i saw that later i'm like all right alec attacks attacked joel and ellie so quickly because he was thinking they were full-on snacks so he wasn't a good person he was out hunting for their flesh I think you're right. I think they were scouting to get whatever food they can, and it meant whatever food they can. 
So he wasn't attacking because there were these just random people in this place that they're looking for supplies to. They weren't fighting over supplies. He wanted their meat. And then he died. Which and then happens. he died. Huh. David enters Joel the... did not give consent. To being eaten? Oh, no. Right. Yeah, yeah you, that's like a consent thing, dude. Right. But I mean, this community seems like they don't not care about consent. really cool about <laughs> yeah. consent. Yeah. David enters the communal dining hall and things just feel tense, which is why I don't think they're on team David. It was pretty, it was a lot more explicit in the video game. But I, but it's because the rumor went out about them finding the people that killed Alec. For sure. Part of it. But I think that's just building on them being like, dude, you're kind of a piece of shit because he is a piece of shit in this. Like, yeah, they they hear a rumor that they found the people responsible for Alex's death. So Hannah, his daughter is like, we need to kill them and not just the man, but Ellie, too. And David already has this weird fascination with Ellie. So he walks over to Hannah and backhands her hard enough that she falls to the floor and then calls her calls himself her daddy. So like yeah like it's weird there's a weird dynamic his mom her mom gets up and she sits down after just a look from him that has to mean that whatever maybe not to the full extent that he would be doing it to strangers he had weird toxic energy with this group and i think they're finally coming to the end of it and he wasn't even around i mean this was 2003 was the apocalypse the, the weird daddy discourse wasn't even happening then he started the daddy discourse. He started the, <laughs> David started the daddy discourse. Oh, that makes me cringe. That when that's gonna make me cringe when I keep seeing people calling Pedro daddy. <laughs> I just y'all need help. <laughs> don't don't bring other people into your king. Have another consenting again. Let's not be like David. Let's not be like David. That's a very good point. But it it shows us that David is a pretty twisted guy. He hasn't found God, but he he's clearly lost himself to to he lost himself so he can control others ain't no power like religious power that's very yeah that's that's insanely true i'm reading a really good book about that father of lies by somebody Nonfiction or fiction it's fiction it's really disturbing it's also oddly enough about um pedophilia i have read a nonfiction book about the catholic church scandal in boston mm -hmm. the one that um that movie was made off of yeah real life fake life it all mirrors after the weird dining scene, we cut back to Ellie caring for Joel and Shimmer, I believe the horse's name is. Let's not name the horse here. That's just that. The no-name horse, the, the fake stuffed horse. She's <laughs> checking. The fake, the, the completely real horse. <laughs> She's checking on Joel's wounds. She's making sure Shimmer has water. And she's tending to the little compound she set up. When she's doing that, she notices some some crows fly into the air and immediately goes on to the defensive. And I love that detail because she's so perceptive and she's learning so much about what it means to be a survivor and how to be a survivor. And we're seeing her slowly gain tools to put in her little tool bag the longer that she's with Joel. And she she is right to be concerned because David and his and his men have tracked her down. Up until the last few episodes, you know, Joel has been the one like protecting and being the provider, but Ellie has taken that role and she takes it very seriously. And I think Druckmann and Mason Druckmann Mason, and Mason. Mason are they're changing up the narrative a little bit to allow Ellie more of a chance to find her footing and step out of 
Joel's shadow, not in this moment necessarily, because this is like the same narrative as the game, but towards the end of the episode. But I just, I like seeing her come into the person that she wanted to be in, you know, back when we first met her in episode one. Um, When we get there, elaborate on how it's more than the game. I will. David and his crew have tracked Ellie down which is somewhat funny considering they seem to be really shit hunters, but like maybe they're crappy hunters because of circumstantial winter issues. I don't know. I mean, I do believe that it's been an extra hard winter and maybe there aren't that many animals. Could could for sure be part of it. Even though Ellie just walked outside her door and, and saw, saw a, a rabbit and a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's location. Who knows? Yeah. David- location, location, location. Everything's about location. David wants Joel dead, but he insists they take Ellie alive. It's a decision that clearly is not in line with what his men want, but his decision stands firm. Not just because Ellie was part of like the duo that killed their own, but the group is starving and she's another mouth to feed and they can't handle that right now. James even suggests that Ellie is that Ellie dying is God's will, but we're learning that David doesn't really care about God. He cares about pushing his will onto people. And right now his will is developing a really strong obsession with Ellie, so he's not gonna hear it. Ellie rushes to Joel to warn him about the men and gives him a knife, but he's clearly in some fever dream. He's like seeing pink elephants behind her as she's begging him <laughs> to wake up and take the knife. She's determined to lead the men away from Joel, so she jumps on Shimmer and tries to run out of town. James is on it, though. He might not be able to track down a deer, but he's able to shoot down a horse and send Ellie flying to the ground. He's about to kill her, and the men all around him are rallying for him to end it now, but David stops him and picks Ellie up. She's captured. Meanwhile, Joe finally wakes up from whatever fever state he was in. And we know the first thing he thinks about when he hears the noises is Ellie. Where is she? Is she safe? What's going on? And in thinking that, he gets this big burst of energy to not only stand, but to hide, strangle, slash, bleed a man out, ambush two others before duct taping one onto a chair and brutally torturing him until he learns where Ellie is. He stabbed that man in the back of the neck. I thought he was choking him too, but no, he like- I thought it was like a combo. I don't think you need to choke somebody That's after true. that. I think you're just trying to get them to Maybe stay still Maybe just like securing, yeah. And I was, making sure he stays quiet. I watched it. When I first watched it, it was like my screen was pretty dark. And I was like, what is that gurgling noise? But then the second time I'm like, oh, okay, he got stabbed in the neck. That tracks. He's- yeah, I'm, I am happy because it's been a concern. And I, I, I do still wish they had show, showed this Joel earlier instead of talking about it. Like, I don't think it does anything extra for his character to go to this length now i guess they wanted to save it for it to be like this moment about ellie which i understand but even with i still him think it's being... a different type of violence it's I a do different too. type of violence that meets different things for people even right? with him like... having violent moments or violent tendencies beforehand i don't think it would have taken away from this moment because it didn't take away from this moment in the game we knew why he no. was acting savage at this moment in the game it was because he wanted to know where ellie was and he was going to do anything to find her right And I think it would have been the same if you had a character who was not originally a violent character for them to get violent in this moment. I mean, that's like all I'm going to save my family type of media of, you know, I guess it's not John. Ordinary (laughs) man gets like his wife gets kidnapped or something. All of a sudden they go on a spree. All of a sudden he knows how to do 10 headshots. Yeah, (laughs) I think if they had kept the Robert scene, it it wouldn't have enhanced the scene because I think those are two different 
it says two very different things about the character. Yeah. And one wouldn't have taken away from the other, and it would no. have given us more depth to Joel. But I, I am happy that they did go all out for this part for him. I was worried they were going to tone it down. Same. But they did not tone down the violence they in this. They did not. They did not. Joel shoves a knife into the man he has strapped to a chair and tells him to point to where Ellie is, which is the Silver Lake community, the Silver Lake Resort. Yeah. And he warns the guy that if he warns him that wherever he points to better be the same place that his buddy points to or he's going to regret it. But he's going to regret it anyway because Joel immediately stabs him in the gut afterwards. Because at this point, it's not about information. He has what he wants. He he knows the guy is telling the truth, probably because of how desperate and pleading he is. He he tells he tells the remaining raider before passing or before beating his head in with a lead pipe that he has what he wants. He doesn't need anything else. He is in this for vengeance at this point, and he's not going to be no witnesses. No witnesses. Oh, and I mean, yeah, you don't want this guy to like. Untie himself if somebody finds him, then he's gonna he can warn the community or whatever. I I also don't think Joel will be satisfied at this point until everybody connected to Ellie's disappearance is brutally murdered. Yeah, you don't you don't you don't steal Ellie from him. Like no no sir, but it it does feel it does feel good to see the Joel who has been sidelined because that's what it is finally yeah. in action. The Joel that was most often talked about but never shown. And up until this point, I don't think we've seen Joel kill without like at, like without snapping, so the uh the, the Fedra soldier, like that was him pushed to the brink. That wasn't in obvious self-defense. That wasn't in obvious self-defense um without hesitating, so the the sniper or without being outwardly attacked so brian or alec yeah i forgot about the hesitation with the sniper so this is the first time we see him truly lose it with with anger and there's nothing the men can do to spare themselves this is just a matter of how slowly and painfully they want to die i mean i wouldn't say he lost it i think he i think joel has never been in more control or I guess, yeah, like he gave into that anger yeah. and gave into the part that, I don't know, I guess he has wanted to reel in her a little bit. But I feel like he's he's like, fuck it. This is who I am. I'm stepping this into Tess, this. This is who Tess was talking about when she said, I know you want to hurt him after what Robert did to right. her. But, you know, wait until we get what we need. He's like, and yeah. that's what he did. I did want to hurt him. He got them. what he needed. He wanted to hurt these people. Interwoven. Tess, your influence is still here. I do like that. And she, yeah. Tessa's influence is also here when um, Ellie and David were around the fire and Ellie tells him your luck was bound to run out at some point. Yeah. So we see you, Tess. Gone but not forgotten. Interwoven into all of the Joel gruesome torture scenes are a, a few different scenes between Ellie and David. She wakes up in a cage and the audience starts to see that the carefully curated persona of David is slowly slipping away. This dude is twisted. He's a predator and he's somehow come to the conclusion that a 14 year old girl is his equal and can bring his cannibalistic world community into the future. He tries to get her to see that with some low-key brainwashing and high-key manipulation. He tells her that the part of her life with Joel is over and he's offering her a new beginning. You know what's wild about this? Well, I guess no. Never mind. No, because I was like, what's wild about this is he's not even easing her into it. He's just expecting her to go along for some reason. 
Well, I think he's using he's pos he's positioning himself as her savior. He stole her from everything that she knew. As far as he's concerned, Joel is dead, even though he tries to manipulate her with keeping him alive later. And then he brought her into a community full of people who want her dead. And he reiterates, like, did you hear me? Everybody here wants you dead. And then he talks about protection and having her become this equal to him. He is absolutely using fear to get her where he wants her. Like, if right, I just, I, I just think it shows how kind of like delusional he actually is thinking in the amount of time that he's been able to speak to her and since he's met her and after everything they've been through, him just being like, no, you don't understand. It was aliens. Like, that'll be, you know, she'll be like, oh, you know what? You're right. The cordyceps are God. They are fruitful. They do, you know, that's amazing. I don't know why. Don't I've never thought about this way. I don't think he's outright doing you that in this i think i think that's what he okay maybe like part of his brain wants to do that but i think he is knowingly putting her in a position where she has to accept his offer if she wants to survive and then it's like a 90 day fiance thing like where she will learn to love yeah. him because she has no other choice she wants that you know uh, yeah maybe yeah maybe i just don't have the right survival mindset for it because I, I would be so quick to be like you know i'd just rather die like i, I think i think yeah i mean i mean it's hard to I'm say fine, okay but I think he's used to putting people in this situation where, I don't know, maybe he casts out his people. There's definitely a level of delusion here because his community has given him this grandiose version of himself. They're still following him and he can literally slap a child in front of her mom and go on eating his people meat like nothing happened. I do think generally people probably have more of a survive within any means possible mentality more than i personally do so it's hard for me to be like oh no because i would be like, you wouldn't even get this far give, <laughs> give me all your money i'll shoot you i was like i don't have any money so you can just go ahead and shoot like i don't know what you want to do i don't like, i don't like ultimatums i'm not walking point. to the bank sir <laughs> if my ultimatum is like you do this or you die i'll be like okay then kill me like i, I don't know i guess i'll die then <laughs> <laughs> do it and he's trying to come across as like calm and comforting, but you feel that underlining anger start to show because she's rejecting him. She's not telling him her name. She's lashing out and he's clearly not used to that, which we she's see in the next scene. full 14 year old self to, right? to use on him. He this thinks one, this yeah. teenager is going to be cool, calm, rational, and collected. She's like, no, I'm going to go full teen. You don't want me to full teen, but I'm going to go full teen. <laughs> In the next scene, Ellie is trying to escape. And in trying to escape, she sees a human ear under that weird butcher block in the room. So we have cannibal confirmation. Yeah, they're going to lose their health certificate on that one. You can't just leave ears lying. That is a C. Yeah. In New York, that's a C. Yeah. That, that's a... We've seen worse. She confronts David about it when he enters and he tries to justify his actions, which I guess everybody would. He's saying that his people are starving. He's trying to find a way to keep people alive. And he does say that he's trying to protect the people who love him. So he's already yeah. wrapped up in this cult-like mentality of like being a savior. And he talks about this people like they're his flock and like all that weird culty churchy babble. He then You know what real daddies do? They love unconditionally. And he does not. Like Joel. he's all about the conditions. It's interesting because I don't know if this is the if this is the best place to have this conversation, but there's this whole concept of like love. We'll get into it later. <laughs> Spoilers, they never did. <laughs> <laughs> 
But there's this whole like debate. There's this conversation about love in this episode because David's like, uh, what does he say? Uh, love hurts or love doesn't hurt or there's no fear in love. Yeah, he says later that there's no fear in love. And his love is obviously super twisted and gross. And with Joel, his love is all about fear and failure and trying, being so scared of failing the people that he loves that he rather not love at all. So their their takes on love was just was a little interesting. Yeah, because their take because David's take on love isn't actually love, is it? Like it's what you can do for me. So if if he loses a quote unquote love. He's not going to take it like Joel has taken all his losses, uh, his the loves during his life that he's lost, right? Like those are true losses to him, whereas David would move on to the next person to quote unquote love. And or he, he would has just no take fear. what he wants. There's no fear of it because he has no fear of the loss. Like, I don't think I don't think love should be like painful and just always fearful. But like if you if you're loving in the post apocalypse and you're not or in the apocalypse and you're not afraid of losing them, then I don't. I don't know what you're doing. Yet. You're not doing it right. You might not be in love. Right. David, you know, com- who, you know who was also, you know who, you know what? Bill wasn't afraid until he met Frank. Exactly. Oh, you went there. I did. You tied it all together. <laughs> Full circle. And that was our episode. Thank you for listening. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it later. <laughs> so then David compares his decision to eat people with Joel ki- killing somebody to defend Ellie, which is a weird take. Like, I'm sorry. You just can't compare those two. Right. And he, he, he kind of act like Joel was just going around murdering somebody and he wasn't there. So he didn't see it, but I bet you he knew because he knew what they were out there for. He knew Alec attacked Joel. It's, it's a Kathleen. Or maybe he, or maybe he assumed because they're doing it, everybody's doing it. So Weird it doesn't take, matter who attacked first. But I think it's it's kind of goes back to Kathleen and Henry and all of that. Like at the end, Kathleen was going to kill Henry because that's just the way things go. Like you killed my brother. I'm killing you and everybody you love. I'm sorry. It, it is what it is. So that's kind of I think that's what David's doing. He doesn't really care the, the what's and the why's. He doesn't care if Joel ran around the university with a machete. He just he just cares that one of his people died. So now Joel has to die. An eye for an eye. A steak for a steak. That's a religious thing, isn't it? I think so. And this is when things start to get really weird. David starts to persuade Ellie that they would be a really good team. He tells her that she's a natural leader, that she's smart and loyal. And he says that she reminds David of himself, mostly because she has a violent heart. Which is the most narcissistic compliment. Right? Like, stop talking about like, yourself if you're giving me a compliment. It's kind of annoying when parents say, like, oh, there's so much like me. It's like, oh, I've created a mini The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> now there's another me out in the world. How great is that? It's not great, Karen. It's not. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Like, those odd little moments that Ellie has that we kind of couldn't necessarily read. But they definitely were these, I don't know, these dark moments like the way that she was mesmerized by joel beating up the fedra soldier when she was looking at the clicker. Uh, the clicker but i do have to say i don't necessarily think that the show did a good job highlighting that darkness if that's where they were going especially if they were going to compare her darkness with david's darkness now right and also we have been there for every interaction he's had with her what she didn't have those moments 
like oh no i just can see into your soul and see the darkness in your eyes and stuff like everything she's done around david has been completely normal for the world they live in he was gonna take their deer so she had their guns on him and she was telling but she didn't like shoot them right away right you know she was gonna give him an option to leave I do I do think it's fair that I don't know like when you're when you're on a hike or whatever and then you kind of get this sense of like there's there's something wonky going on and then like you see a bear or something so I do think that like there's this innate feeling we sometimes have to a potential threat and I do think that Ellie likely gives some of that off enough to make David thinks he understands her probably not and also like Ellie is a child of the apocalypse. I do think that there is a darkness in her. But let's also talk about the fact that like she's a young girl, young woman who grew up around death and violence. Like, of course, she's not going to be like a Sarah who lived in suburbia and the most challenging thing in her life was spending time with her next door neighbor so i i don't like yes ellie is going to feel different right i mean even like we'll go back to like riley right last episode she was like maybe hesitant but ultimately okay with creating bombs that would kill people that's the life that they that's the life yeah that's the life you know i'm it's not a criticism it's 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 their life like it's like you joined Fedra, you joined the Fireflies. Either way, they're trying right. to kill each other and you're surrounded by violence. Like, whatever darkness the kids of the post-apocalypse, let's say. Um, that should be a band name, kids. Anyway, <laughs> uh, whatever darkness they have is not the same darkness that David has. Because David is a man of the pre-apocalypse. He To be fair, pre-apocalypse David was awful. For self-admittedly awful. Right? Yeah. He's always had a violent streak that he's known about. And he became a teacher anyway. A math so, teacher because he wants to torture people. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not even a comparison, but I still don't, I still don't, I hate that kind of villain thing. It's like, I see you in me and it's, we are the same because I can look into your eyes and recognize the evil. We are both those things. It's like, no, I'm, I'm just surviving, man. I'm, I'm vibing. Born into this world. Like, I don't know what you want to do. Like, I'm, I don't want to eat people like I saw that and I wasn't I wasn't like oh at least it's food I jump back in horror it's weird not the same because in some ways like David is a horrifying villain in the game in the show they enhance him in the show a little bit but he also kind of comes off slightly as a caricature caricature that word you had it right the first time (laughs) because and then you fucked it up (laughs) and I got nervous. In a show that's rooted in such realism, and I'm not saying that people like David are not real, but this whole monologuing and this like, I see you within myself thing somewhat takes away, but also, I don't know, kind of does add to it. I I still do think he is the worst villain. He didn't go that far in the game. Like he was, it was, it was. There was no monologuing. He was creepy, and but there wasn't the whole, I see the darkness in you and it's the same darkness I have in me. Let's team up and, you know. Superman, you're not a hero. (laughs) Join me. Yeah, I, I think, I think he. I don't know. It's a bit of a caricature, and I just, I feel like that is such a trope for a villain to be that kind of the monologuer. (gasps) Ha ha! The darkness in you is the same as in me. Don't act like you're different. (laughs) It's like uh, we are different. (laughs) He's like, dude, I don't know what you're on. 
I just want to go feed my horse. Oh, I can't. You killed it. Yeah. So David admits that he was violent before the apocalypse and cordyceps showed him the light. And you know who he is? He's Walter White. I didn't really watch Whereas that. he had the, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really like the show because I was forced to watch the first season via friend. And from the first episode, I was like, no, this guy's just a dick. He's an asshole. Like, why would it? I thought we were going to watch his downfall when really this is who he always was. He just entered a world that allowed him to be who he is, be more of who he was. And I think that's what he saw. That's what David did. That's who David had to mask the majority of his life from he had to Ted Bundy himself, really. Right. This community was never about God. Right. Like it was I never about really God. Was. It was about power. It was about knowing that he had absolute control over everybody. He likes that he can eat, that he can make people eat meat without knowing. He likes that he can slap a daughter <gasps> in front of her mom. Oh, here's yeah. Rewind back to the the dining room scene earlier when he slapped her, and then he sat down at the dinner table. I think that meat was out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right when she got back in and she ate her stew or whatever. Yeah, the look he, Alex he gave. Stew, the look he gave her. I was like, oh, he had that smirk on him. I was like, oh, you're disgusting. Yeah, he loves her. He, he's living for he this. He loves that power he has over them. Yeah. And I, he enjoys the apocalypse because it allows him to be able to go around slapping people. It allows him to, to, to capture these vulnerable people and to exert his power over him in the way he couldn't have done. Or maybe that's why he became a teacher, because that's an inherent Especially power. Especially a math teacher, right? Right. And like, all <laughs> of this is trauma. creepy enough, but it gets so much worse because his intentions with Ellie turn a lot more predatory, at least more outwardly predatory than they have been. Like, dude is a pedophile. He, he wants Ellie... Yeah. to be his partner. And then he equates the cordyceps virus to the devastation that like love causes. He was kind of melding in like scripture with cordyceps and like how, you know, they're like a sign from God because cordyceps, you know, they love and they're fruitful and they multiply and they do anything to keep their quote unquote people alive. And that's what he's doing. So they're, you know, this is yeah. what the post-apocalypse. And then like it secures him. with violence violent or it secures its future yeah. with, violet, with violence but in a way that that also mimics ellie and joel which goes back to the credit scene where at the end you see uh the silhouette the silhouette like the cordyceps silhouette of ellie and joel so i don't know man he's just he's creepy his takes are creepy but we what do is with utah and people being creepy with religion it's the cold <laughs> we, it's the cold yeah all of his creepiness does give us it lets us see a different type of resourcefulness in um in ellie here which is in line with the gameplay because when you do play her which you do play her in this uh whole scene she's not going to overpower five five grown men with shotguns she's she's going to have to figure out different ways to get herself out of the situation and in this case she kind of clocks david for who he is for who he is and what he needs so she starts to pretend to buy into what he's saying she softens she lets him cover her hand with his and for a second she lets him believe that she is giving in and slides her own hands over his but what she really wants to do is break his finger and try to steal her keys his keys and Which it was stupidly puts in the you know when i used to live 
in New York. I I was one of those people that had uh keys in the Caribbean or in a, in my pockets and stuff cuz I'll always forget it. You know what I always did though? I tucked it into my pocket so it's not hanging out. Yeah, so it can't be a just quick little lift grab, it up, right? Come on, people. It w- I think it was a decent enough plan for No, I mean it's it's she had nothing else to she go. She had nothing she, else to go on. The only thing she could do. But he does manage to shove her off of him but not before pulling her into the cage a few times and uh making her face Mashing all bloody face you know what ellie and her face that we're not having a good episode she face plants when she goes after the rabbit oh why that she probably the worst when she falls off the horse <laughs> and then he's smacked in the face she this girl is like triple concussed at this point oh that just that makes the whole thing so much more sad because she has no idea what's going on and at this point david is kind of over her shit he threatens to cut her up into little pieces and he does make good on that promise but before we have james and david storm back into the cage we have a quick little scene of joel stumbling into the community and it's it's a, it's a throwaway scene but i do like that we see him find Ellie's backpack because along with the the the, the bodies. Yeah, and but- you know he grabs it because he refuses to give up hope that Ellie is alive and he wants to make sure that she gets her stuff back because you know he knows how much she loves her stuff and she's not dead. She's not dead. She's not dead. I'm glad he's finally understood the importance of backpacks and just bringing them along with you. And Ellie might not be dead, but if James and David have their way, see, she certainly will be. They rush. But she'll live on in them. Creepy. (laughs) Just like Hannah's father is doing right now. They rush into her cell and begin manhandling her. And they end up throwing her onto the butcher block. She's about to become bacon. And she's screaming and trying to fight them off. And that's when she tells them that she's infected. And now David is too. Because lo and behold, she bit him during the struggle. And I'm actually not sure. Like, I know Ellie doesn't turn people by, like, other bodily fluids. But if she bites, does she turn people? I think we don't even know if she's contagious in that way. It's a good like threat. In like any sort of yeah, I don't think she knows. I think she's yeah. just using it for her benefit. I think I think she legitimately doesn't know. I think she no no no. That was before. That was before she was bit. She doesn't have a ton of experience of mixing any sorts of bodily fluids with anybody else. Yeah. But if we if we go with the idea that she is somewhat contagious, and we go with the rules of HIV and AIDS, then I think she would have to be bleeding it's just interesting she very well could be because he did smash her face it's interesting because when they cut open the bodies of the in the pilot when they cut open that first infected person they weren't bleeding they had the virus they they had the spores the must the fungus inside them so let me ask this though i don't know if we know this answer what how much do dead bodies bleed because what pushes your body through is your heart what pushes your blood through is your heart so like if you're bleeding the you know panicking about it is kind of bad for you the right. faster your heart's beating the more it's pumping out your blood right it's not like you can control that but like say you know cold weather kind of constricts your vessels so it slows down your bleeding so you can survive longer so like a dead body how much blood actually bleeds well they can tell if wounds were made before or after death based off of stuff right i do agree that there is a shock there wasn't even like meat on that 
you know there was just fungus underneath yeah. where she sliced it so yeah and but the 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 clicker that ellie cut into in that basement did bleed did bleed so now I'm just a confused. little bit a little bit but not as much as a head wound would i just confused what myself she cut. yeah maybe we'll figure we'll get more of that lure later on David rolls up her sleeve to confirm if she's actually been bitten. And James is like, dude, that's legit. And David is saying that. I have that. a question, though. How, why? I mean, yeah, I guess there's a scar and the scar is kind of unique. But what can can you play it off of like a burn wound? That's what I was thinking, too. I mean, I guess. Or like jellyfish, man. It was weird. I don't, don't go don't fall off your paddleboard because and it's also interesting her scar isn't a bite it's the tendrils at this point there might be like a bite scar with, like that's the tendrils growing with the, if you look at it closely we haven't really had a really good close-up out of it in a while I'll go back and see but it's it's a weird thing to go off of in universe apparently it's it's easy to see if it looks real or not but i think that like spread that tendril spread yeah. is like an indicator yeah oh so that means that after she was bitten there was a period of time where she probably was expecting to turn obviously it was like she was expecting to turn but she probably was like physically seeing the the infection spread but yeah. she wasn't having the like cognitive man what a mind issues that come with it like, I wonder if that's how she, like, went, because, you know, we never, we don't get to see it in game or show, but, you know, uh, Riley would start, you know, they both have that physical sign of yeah. the bite, you know, spreading, but then Riley would start failing cognitively while Ellie is still there. Like, Riley would start but twitching, Ellie doesn't twitch, oof. Right, but then how do you know that you're just, because it's not the same timeline for everybody, because even the poster was, like, one to two hours, one, three to six hours, but you they know, were things bitten. like that. They were so they were both bitten in their arms though. And remember they did it like in chunks. She's bitten in her hand. They like did right. it in like three parts of the body or something. See, I don't know. Does that matter? I don't I don't think we've decided that matters. What I thought they were just showing what wounds look like. Not that this parts of the body. This is the when timeline you're bitten of, of by the like bite. a rabid animal, the um where the bite is does determine typically how long it will but take that could also take show like up. weeks if it's on your foot that could take like weeks or months but if it's on your neck it's going to take far shorter it has to get into your brain yeah and you got to chop the head off i saw a video a little off topic but i saw a video of somebody who had a person a human being who had rabies and they were showing his uh hydrophobia i and it was wild often like fairly often have 3 a.m. rabbit deep dive sessions of just looking at humans with rabies videos. Wow. Yeah. I don't. We've learned a lot about you today. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> and it, it messes with me every single time. I need to stop doing that. Would, would, uh, would David see the darkness in you? You uh... <laughs> <laughs> Ellie uses the moment of shock and confusion between David and James to take the cleaver, shove it into James's shoulder, and then book it from the room. I know it's a common thing that happens in TV shows, but I would not have the confidence to be able to slam down a butcher's knife next to somebody and be confident I would not hit them. I don't think he cared. No, that's true. Yeah, he's like, whatever. If it misses, it misses. <laughs> but in my mind, I'd be like, oh, that's so cool. I just right next to her. Like, can we take care. a moment to appreciate this? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the aim, you guys. <laughs> 
Unfortunately for Ellie, escaping the room is not enough because the restaurant she finds herself in is completely locked and David has the keys. I don't know what's preventing her from taking something really heavy and smashing the windows. I, th I thought the same thing when we were playing the games, but doors it is. Or that log she has. Yeah. yeah. Suspension of disbelief. Well, we're fine with that. And let me tell you, this is one, I think this is the most stressful scene in the game for me. Like, I, I think we should, I think we should start a class action against Struckman because it took off five years of my life. Because, well, this is the first time in the game where they did environmental indicators. Yeah. I didn't realize that we had to watch out for the broken glasses on the ground. Yeah, until I'm 10 death sequences in, losing right. my in mind and i'm like oh it's the glass which is the like broken genius but i kind of wish there was that moment here because but it's all very there's not a ton of like running around like they did which i understand that i don't really have a problem with that but in my moment i kind of wanted her to like step on glass like have that little salmon yeah. moment i really appreciated this turn in the game of when we're playing ellie because at first we don't know joel's status when we see her because what happens in the game is we we're going from the college where joel collapses fades to black and the next thing we see a rabbit pop up and then an arrow goes through it and it and now we're suddenly for the first time playing ellie and there's no joel to be seen yeah. and i really like that kind of turn of events and then just kind of the different kind of gameplay they force you to do by being a 14 year old yeah full of in in being hunted but by a full of adults and ellie died a lot and i <laughs> yeah if but we, yeah i think if, this is this is the tension I was looking for. Yeah, exactly. We uh, granted this was very high stakes tension, but the tension could have easily been like even with Joel when the men were looking for him when he was hiding in the basement. Like moments like that, those like slow music in the background, just people having to crouch, having to hide, like just anything to to make my heart pitter patter. That that's like I think so far I don't have a lot of critiques of the show. I still a really great show. I just, again, that tension is missing and we have it in this episode and that's why this episode works so well. Right. And the thing is, though, what's kind of frustrating about missing that sort of tension in the previous episodes is also we know what Craig Mason can do with Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Chernobyl wasn't full of huge moments. I mean, there was a lot of big moments, but a lot of that tension was just so subtle and just quietly building through. Like, like in that first episode when they think snow is falling yeah like just those small little when, moments when and he I... picks up the brick and then all of a sudden his hand starts to yeah or or when they're going into the water and there's no music there's just the flashlight flickering mm -hmm. and then the um radiation detector just starts increasingly going off like higher and higher and higher they're bite-sized moments but they make the episode enough of those little moments are all you through need. the whole series they're built up yeah. that way it's like you don't have a moment of without it really even in, even if in, if the, in those like office moments even when we're like with the lady and she just wants to, now she wants a bunch of iodine tablets mm -hmm. or whatever and I, I just think that i think they've been stingy with their tension when they can obviously do it really well when they want to yeah but for some reason they didn't ellie managed to set the room on fire before david pins her down before 
horrifyingly saying, I thought you already knew the biting is the part I like the most. Don't be afraid. There's no fear in love. Yo, he went real incel nice guy when she was yelling at her. He was like, what makes you so special? I could have given you everything. I'm a good, you know. It's I was giving like, That's me the, hey, what's your number screw you you ugly and then yeah. the, the screaming you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean <laughs> yeah but yeah it was real nice guy why 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 are you so special what what's wrong with me that you don't want me there's something wrong with, there's nothing wrong with me there's something wrong with he you he can't handle the rejection because for the past however many years months whatever he's been built up to be this really special guy and now this girl is rejecting him and he can't handle it but because ellie refused to give him what he wanted he's now determined to just take it from her regardless you know, pre-apocalypse, he was he was one of those guys like, oh, man, I just keep getting friend zone. Yeah, like no girl wants a nice guy. It's like yeah. I see the darkness than, in you. you well, creep. also being like, I'm just full of violence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. On our first date, I told her I, I saw her inner darkness and I, I wanted us to lead a community of cannibals together and then she stopped returning my phone calls <laughs> thankfully ellie manages to reach for the cleaver he brought into the room and slice into him again and again and again she absolutely brutalizes her brutalizes him and you this scene went on way longer than i thought it was going i to. i love it like, it's gonna end nope we're still going she no, and then I, she I pauses think it, I think a little so bit great. and she keeps on going and you feel every ounce of anguish and terror in her inability to stop. But it also highlights the level of savagery she's capable of. So then she stumbles out of the restaurant. That's where Joel finds her. And like she's still in this state of panic. She's screaming. She's trying to fight him off until she realizes it's Joel and throws herself into his arms. And like he pulls her into him, repeatedly saying it's me because he's come to mean safety and security. And he knows that at this point. And he can't take Ellie away from what happened. But at least he can offer this small comfort to her right now. And that comfort is him. And he called her baby girl. And he does call her baby girl. He goes, um, I got you, baby girl. Which is which is <laughs> obviously the last thing he says to Sarah is, I got you, baby girl. And now he's saying it to Ellie. And this and is a does. this is a slight variation uh, to the game and what I was talking about, about liking the change. Because in the game, Joel finds Ellie in the restaurant and he physically pulls her off of David when she is macheting him, cleaving him. Um, and I know like even in the game this wasn't supposed to be like this big hero moment for Joel this was this was completely Ellie's journey she got herself out of the situation but keeping Joel out of that final moment I think it gave Ellie more agency than she had in the video game which was something that was stripped from Tess in in the show because not only does you mean getting out of the building on her own getting out of the building on her own well getting out of the cage getting out of the building on her own getting to completely destroy the man who stripped her of everything or tried to strip her of everything and tried to violate her and take you know take something from her she finally gets to release all of that rage and sorrow that she's been carrying in a way that's not interrupted so she gets to fully go through those emotions 
And then we also get to see like what we see the extent of what she's capable of when Joel isn't there to put on the brakes and pull her back. So she's like reclaiming like that part of herself that David tried to steal from her. And like because she has that inner darkness, she's reclaiming herself in a very violent way. I just really liked it. It's it's also I just I don't know why maybe because I didn't really like it, but it's a parallel from when Joel lost control. I wonder if we could time both scenes, if they would match in length of him oh. beating that soldier to death and her, because it's the both he's on top and yeah. he's beating her and she's on top and she's... I'll do that, actually. Yeah, let's do that. Either way, game show, it ends with uh, Joel cradling Ellie, calling her baby girl, finally hugging her, giving her the comfort that she needs. And it's a very bundle fundamental moment for Ellie like we're, we're gonna see this carry on with her through the next episode through the next game this episode I think they did really well by enhancing David's awful 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 nature without putting it into subtext yeah because in the game I don't want to say that it was that it was only in I guess it was only implied that he had these weird inclinations towards Ellie. Like it wasn't outright stated. He was he didn't outright he didn't make as clear of a threat in the game, which I think flushing that out made him a hell of a lot more terrifying. Also, he's our first true villain. Cause like Kathleen, like you can say Kathleen was a true villain, but she's also the victim of her circumstances, right? She was caught in that cycle. Whereas David was not a victim of his circumstances. He I don't know how to how to word it nicely, but like he 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 was he thrives in this. This is who he is. This is who he this wants is, to be. Right. This this world allows him to be who he always wanted to be when, before the apocalypse. Like this violent culty kind of guy. There is no there's there's no grayscale with him. Exactly. Like there could be a grayscale with his inner circle, like James. Yes, you know, agreed. Or his his like Red Dead group, but like him, t this is this is like the first pure evil character. Yeah, there's, there's I think we've nothing met. good in him. He was doing this purely to hurt people, and everything they did kind of expanded on that and made that really clear. Like I think it was fair, it was really clear in the game, but also there's a lot of just straight up enemies in the game. There wasn't right. a lot of nuance to them all the time. David. I think all of the extra scenes he had that he didn't have in the game is just adding to no this this is the bad guy. Yeah, this is like the like we know people have to do really hard things in this world to survive, but there's also people who are going to take advantage of this world to do the most awful despicable things because it just gives them the opportunity to act on their desires and that's that's David. Right, he's not surviving, he's thriving. Like, yeah. He was waiting you know, for this. Uh, he was counting on exactly. the days. Everybody's doing what they need to do to survive. And every and David's living. He's just living. He's living in Even Utah. Even if he's like hungry. he's like, And you know he's eating he's, his rations more than everybody else. He's well, like, he did have a bigger that, plate. He did have a bigger plate at dinner. Yeah. He had more man meat on his plate. He's that like a... He probably didn't even want to come to Utah. Guy. He just wanted to... He wanted everybody to suffer in the cold winter. I think he also wanted everybody... I mean, there is... As we saw with Jackson, there is a benefit to isolation, but there's also a huge benefit to isolation for David and his cult. Like that's, there is a reason why cults isolate you from other people, even mainstream cults like 
Scientology, you're still fairly isolated from mainstream society, even if you participate in mainstream society. Those MLMs. Right. I know I haven't spoken to you since high school, but... <laughs> Pittsburgh to Utah is not a short journey. And co traveling with a group, there's a reason why, you know, sure, it's safer to be out of the city, but it's also safer when there's nobody else to offer a different perspective. David aside, it kind of frustrates me that there's only one more episode because, and I know game-wise, it's probably the equivalent, but you you spend, it feels like you spend a little bit more time with Ellie. And I want to see the fallout of this a little bit more than what one episode can provide, especially if, if we're going into like the end sequence, which is going to take up a probably a fairly large sequence of the episode. I mean, we don't know that though. There's going to be, from what, this isn't spoilers because we saw... Well, is it spoilers? We saw the trailer. We did see the trailer. It could be a flashback and it might not be, but it's a flashback kind of thing. Right. So we're also getting a flashback. So then like what time are we going to... Ellie's this not going to have... This is the shortest. This is going to be the shortest episode. episode. So like it just, it's kind of frustrating that Ellie goes through this like really big life-changing moment, which is going to fundamentally change her. And then what? We're going to spend like 15 minutes on seeing her deal? This is what kind of annoys me about people who poo-poo on the argument that they're that they can't include quote-unquote gameplay scenes into like gameplay scenes don't add anything to the story and they're concentrating on the story for the show which i disagree i think we've had a lot of character development within the gameplay sequences going after this part into Hospital? next episode of the of the um game even though the, you might not have a lot ha happening the way ellie is acting right exactly throughout that time informs on the character and what she's been through in that previous section and like whole, how joel is acting towards her too right and that's an extended period of time so she knows she's been doing this for a while whereas in the show if this is what 48 minutes or whatever i don't know i just i i'm i'm going into this next episode slight not even slightly i'm going into the next episode worried because i don't i don't know maybe i think they've been they've done a really good job at surprising me but i just don't see how they're going to cover everything they need to cover with allowing for this like these character moments so i think from what we've seen of the show the end sequence that we're both thinking about right now isn't going to be long no it's not it's gonna be like five minutes i think it's gonna be fairly short i think they're gonna do that they're gonna have some tension with it but it's not gonna be long when it was a good chunk of the end of the game yeah from the previews it also looks like how they get there is gonna be different yeah so how much of that how much they do tend to spend a lot of time on flashbacks too. So I'm I'm kind of concerned that we're going to have like a small moment because I think we're going to have that moment that we all need to have from the game into the show from the previews it looks like. But I, I'm worried that we're just going to jump straight to that kind of like they, they're walking a little bit. They go to that moment. They have that thing. And then all of a sudden we're in a flashback. Yeah. Probably. And then we spend a good chunk of that flashback and then we're in the end sequence. I'm going to I'm going to remain positive, though. Let's all remain I, positive and it's all going to work negative. out. I'm negative. I don't think I'm negative about it because I think I've said this before. I don't think there has been an episode I have disliked. I've liked all the episodes, but I think when you take it as a whole, it, it lacks a bit more than I think it, 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 it lacks a bit more than I anticipated after the first couple episodes. That's fair. And we can wrap. We we're gonna do a final thoughts episode after next week, 
where and then we should do another spoiler show to get all up into last of us 2 let's do it i enjoyed it like i think i overall enjoyed this episode i think more than i more than i did last episode definitely um it had the tension i've been waiting for and i it had been a complete failure if they didn't yeah but i'm i'm happy they went all out with it i wish they could pepper it also throughout the show it would have been nice you can see how well they do it and i don't think i just don't think it'll lessen by having it as a threat throughout the episodes yeah i agree yeah we're excited we're excited for the next episode a little bit scared but definitely excited so um until next week another full circle um that's how we started maybe you should reconsider starting a cannibalistic cult in the wilds of utah or anywhere or anywhere yeah, you know I, what? yeah I why did i specify like... utah <laughs> maybe maybe utah just don't start a cannibalistic cannibal cult. cult colorado you can do the cannibalistic cult but utah not you not you yeah <laughs> if you enjoyed the episode please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts you can find us at two fireflies pod on all socials that's t-w-o-f-i-r-e-f l-i-e-s-p-o-d and you can email any thoughts and opinions to two fireflies pod at gmail.com our music was frozen river by alexander nakarada you can find him on super serpent and on free dash stock dash music.com and again until next time don't do the whole cannibalism cult thing you especially utah <laughs> bye <laughs> bye <laughs>